following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. As I use this tiny, tiny music stand here, um, so I was getting ready for this week, and as I read through this scripture, there was something that happened to me. As a millennial, um, there are times that there's only one way I can think to express myself, and that is through a GIF. Some of you may call it a GIF. I lean towards the peanut butter pronunciation of GIF. So these short little clips of a, a movie, a TV show, a video, a cartoon, whatever it is, that can express something with no sound, just really quickly. I mean, there are GIFs for everything. There are GIFs for wishing people a happy birthday. I don't know why the moonwalking zebra is there for your birthday, but here he is. There are GIFs for congratulating someone on an accomplishment, no matter what that accomplishment may be. You can just congratulate them with a little Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, when someone shares with you um, a relevant fact, you can say, yes, it's true. You know, also, uh, when you hear a good idea, I love this, I'm all about it, but sometimes you're going to hear a bad idea, and you're just going to go, come on, son. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, someone's going to tell you what to do, and you're just going to let them know what's going on. Uh, you've got a permit. It says, I can do what I want. But as I read through this scripture today, I kept, I, I hit a point and all of a sudden I realized this was the one for me. And it goes back to good old Chris Farley. And because as I read this scripture, I, I hit a point and literally this is what popped into my head. I started making the face. Like, I've, I've done skits as Chris Farley. I've done um, for different youth group things. I have done back in the day the living in a van down by the river. I can do that whole thing. And so I don't know why it was that this Chris Farley gif of him going, this realization. But I physically made this face and thought, I know that's a gif. I must find it. Because it helps me understand what we're going to talk about today. Um, we're going to go through this short section of Mark chapter 2, 13 through 17. I'd encourage you, if you get a chance, read the whole chapter. Um, Chelsea and I, this morning, as we were getting ready, uh, I just read the whole chapter for us as kind of some morning devotions, and there's so much in this chapter. As I went through building out the sermon series for Mark, there's so much. It's the fast book, right? It is the gif of a gospel, right? Like he gets down to it, and it's just real quick and right there in front of you. But even then, there's so much good stuff in and around the things I'll be preaching on. So I'd encourage you, take time, read through this book. You can actually hop online um, and find a quick reading plan um, at, on the website. It's just a chapter a week from now till Easter. You might have to do two chapters or three chapters to catch up this week, but they're all short chapters. And what, no, you'll just have to do two chapters because we're going a week behind. So um, on Wednesdays, I'm going to put up like a five-minute thought of something 
that'll differ from the sermon. So as I've read through Mark 2, I already know the, the story. I'm going to be like, wow, this has, like, this has hit me besides what was on Sunday. But you can read through this entire gospel one chapter a week from now until Easter. So I'd encourage you to find that reading plan and dive in. Well, let's break down what happens today in Mark 2 from um, what we're looking at. So um, in Mark 2 here, verses 13 through 17, um, it starts off and it says, He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table at his house, so this is Levi's house, and the tax collectors, all Levi's buddies, and the sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw this, that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And then Jesus heard, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. Those who are sick, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. It's interesting here because Levi is also named Matthew. Like the Bible is the book of nicknames. Everybody's got a nickname. So Levi, Matthew, same guy. And so what happens is Jesus is out walking and he sees this tax collector, Levi, Matthew, and he says, hey, come follow me. This is similar in chapter 1. If you watch the five-minute Devo from this week, what I talked about was um, Jesus calls the disciples. He starts calling them from their nets. And so after he calls fishermen, he goes even a step below them and finds a tax collector. Now, a tax collector, we think, oh, the IRS, that's my money, which like true. But imagine not only are you paying your taxes, but you're paying your taxes to a government that is oppressing you, a foreign government that's coming in. And think, level up this oppression, right? That their military is occupying the country. The cross is a Roman torture device and in fact was used when there were uprisings. They would crucify the rebels along the major road into a city so you knew we don't mess with Rome. And so the tax collectors are not only taking your money, not only are they skimming some off the top for themselves, but your taxes that they are taking are going to Rome. And so Jesus shows up and looks at a tax collector and says, come, follow me. And so you get the scribes, and the scribes basically theology professors. It's uh, this group of um, people that kind of came about in the Old Testament. Uh, there's the story of Josiah. He's a king who rediscovers um, a book of the Bible that was lost. And when that happens, they realize, hey, we want to pay attention. So this whole class, this group, the scribes come about so that they can learn and pay attention and know they're not a bad thing. But what they've done is they've lost the point of the story. And so they look at Jesus and say, hey, why does your rabbi eat with this trash? He shouldn't be hanging out with these people. 
Doesn't he know he's supposed to be hanging out with the right folks? And so the scribes call him out. A quick aside here. Um, this giant Bible um, that I haven't put in my backpack for a long time and then I remembered why. Um, this is my uh, Lutheran study Bible. I highly recommend um, a study Bible. I highly recommend this study Bible. If you're saying, hey, I want to read scripture, but I want to have a little bit of access when I hit a question that I can't figure out. Well, what this has is down in the bottom, um, it references up so that you can go, okay, there's something about this verse down here. Now, if you can't find it, you get a study Bible, you can't find it. Um, that's why I'm here as well. I'm like the librarian of this congregation. If you have a question and you ask it to me, if I don't know it, I know where to look for it. Um, but I highly recommend having a study Bible for these little insights of the scribes. Like, I knew about the scribes, but there was a little note, and I went and read it and went back and realized, oh, I didn't realize there was a connection to the story of Josiah in all of this, that the scribes, I always think, oh, the scribes, they're coming after Jesus. But like, they had come up for a good reason. Like, they had come about, so they said, let's not forget the ways of God. Let's make sure we're studying and paying attention. And they've just lost their way a little bit. So that's my little commercial Lutheran study Bible. Um, pick one up. If you want to, come talk to me. I'll tell you where you can get it. Um, but what happens is we have this self-righteousness showing up. That they look and they go, well, why are you hanging out with those people? Why are you spending time with them? Then uh, other character in the stories, we get the tax collectors. Because it's not just Levi, right? It says, and other tax collectors. So it's like he called up his buddies from work. Was like, hey, I met this guy. Come over to my house. I'm making dinner. And we know how the people of Israel felt about them. Again, skimming money, already paying your taxes, paying it to Rome. And so here you have these people who are incredibly disliked by the local populace. And then you get this classification of sinners. And when you hear that, I want you to think, oh, you sinner, right? Like that's, that's the connotation. It's the people that you go, oh, you don't understand. Those sinful people who just don't get it. And Jesus shows up and says, let's have lunch. And not only like, let's have lunch, like I'm coming to your house. There's a difference between like, let's have lunch and we're going to go to Rudy's, right? Because Rudy's is great because there's like, oh, I'm done. We shouldn't keep a table. Got to go. Like you have an out. But Jesus is like, no, let's go to your house. Which means like you're providing lunch. Thanks, Jesus. But then like, now you've got all these people who follow me. They're here too. You're providing a lunch for them. Like they go, what I love is they, they go to Levi's. He invites his friends and somehow the scribes are still there. Like, is that the awkward guy that like you hoped wasn't going to come, but then their car shows up, right? Like you're like, oh yeah, we're all going to this place. And then you go, oh, Curtis, we hoped you weren't going to be here. Sounds like a good scribe name. It's my grandpa's name, so we'll use it. But there's this whole thing of like, 
The scribes show up to Levi's house. They don't like him. They're upset that Jesus is having lunch with them. But they show up anyways because they're frustrated at Jesus. Because you have the disciples, the scribes, the tax collectors, the sinners. The sinners being this classification of people who had no hope. Because the scribes and the Pharisees weren't going to help them because they were too far gone. These were people who probably struggled with um, debauchery, with sexual sin, with um, drunkenness, with all kinds of issues. Or maybe they were just not the right people. And so Jesus goes and has lunch with them. And what I love is in this story, as much as it is a story of Jesus calling Levi and going to his house and showing that he's going to spend time with these people that the religious folks of his day think he won't, it's a story for us as well. Do you think you're in a place where you look and you say, God, look at those people. Do you think you're in a self-righteous place where you look at the scribes and what they're saying and that's the part of the story you're connecting with? Where you go, Lord, your time doesn't belong to those people. Your time doesn't belong to them. It belongs to me because of who I am. because of what I've done. Who are the people that you other in your head? Right? Maybe it's along um, religious lines, political lines. Um, maybe it's just someone you don't like. But you, you other them. And you go, God, don't worry about them. I know I do it. I know there are people that I get so frustrated and angry. I just think, God, you don't want to spend time with them. No. You don't get it. Or do you connect more with the tax collectors and the sinners? Where you look and you say, this teacher wants to spend time with me. He wants to take time away to learn about me that he wants to take time to spend teaching me. That I'm unworthy. He doesn't know what I've done. To the self-righteous, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5. Do I have that in Jonathan, Matthew 5? Um, he says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Jesus, in the book of Matthew, straight up calls out 
people and says, I said to love your enemy and pray for them. Pray for those who persecute you, those who are attacking you. Not just the enemy you don't like, but the one who attacks you. Pray for them. Because even the tax collectors like the people who like them. But I've called you to more. And then he says this. Paul says this in the book of Romans. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what we look and what we see is that for those who are sinning, we have to understand the wages of our sin is death. There's no doubt that that's what it can be. But Jesus comes for the sinner, for the lost. And as I was reading this story again, it's one I've known for a long time. It's one that pops up if you've been in church for a little while, you've probably heard this story before. Because oftentimes we hear this phrase, well, I came, you know, for the sick. The, the sick need a physician, not the well. I came for the sinners, not the righteous. And I think a lot of times what happens in churches, we go, yeah, so Jesus is here for the sinners. So we got to find the sinners. Well, you know what? In this story, this is when this gif hit me again. This was the reason this gif popped into my mind is because as Jesus looks at the scribes, he looks at them and says, listen, I came to save those who are lost. I came to save the sinner. I, you know, just like a physician, he's not going to go out to someone who's well. I came for the people who are unwell. And you know who he's talking to? He's talking to the scribes. He's talking to the tax collectors and he's talking to the sinners. So often we hear him say, oh, he came for the sinners. And he's telling that to the scribes so that they'll understand that, hey, I'm here for these people. But he's actually opening it up more to being like, hey, when you judge, when you do this thing and you look and say, those people are not worthy of us, you know what you are? A sinner. And what blew my mind reading through it this time is so often the gospel of Jesus can be co-opted in two ways. We can take it and we can make it and say, listen, the gospel of Jesus is for people who are doing the right thing. It's for good Christians. It's for people who do the right stuff. And if you don't do the right stuff, well, then God doesn't want to spend time with you. Or it's co-opted the other way and people go, religion is bad and anyone who's been in religion those old religious folks, they just don't get it. And so we got to remember, it's all about the sinners. But then it's like, well, we got to keep sinning so that Jesus loves us more. And both of those issues are not what Jesus is talking about here. Because what he's saying is, I came to heal that which makes you ill. And if you stand on the side that says, God is here for righteous people he clearly says, no, I am here for sinners. I am here for people who are sick and need a doctor. But if you stand on the other side and you say, Lord, I'm sick. I plan to keep being more and more and more sick. And in fact, those stuck up religious people just don't get it. 
Well, Jesus goes, yeah, your sin's not helping you out. Because Jesus came for sinners. What often happens to us as we read Scripture is we build a dichotomy. And we say, where's the bad guy, where's the good guy? And we can look at this story and go, oh, the bad guy scribes, the good guy sinners. Well, Scripture is very clear that sinning is not good. Oh, okay, bad guy sinners, good guy scribes, well, the Bible is very clear that self-righteousness is not of God. And so what we do is we remember who is the good guy. The good guy is Jesus. And what he says to us is that he came for those who were sick. That includes the people who live in a self-righteous, religious way. And you know what he does? He calls them out. And he says, listen, I came for sinners. But the goal of him saying that is not just to open their eyes to see, oh, he came for these people who I've been looking down on, but it's for them to open their eyes and go, oh, right, that's the gif. It's me. That's what Jesus is working to do, is to help us to see, listen, I'm, it's not just that I'm here for sinners. Stop making yourself better then. How quickly does relationship break down when we live in that dichotomy where we have to be better then? Where we have to look and go, listen, I'm conservative than you, I'm more Relationship breaks down so quickly. But if we can all take a step back and recognize where we are. And you know what? Sometimes that's a daily difference. Right? Some days you're going to go, oh, I'm being self-righteous again. I'm looking out and I'm seeing and raising myself up and trying to look at people as other and not as people. And some days, we have just committed that sin that we go, Lord, could you possibly love me, a sinner? And here in Mark 2, Jesus looks and he says, I came for those who are unwell. I came for the sinner, those who are in need of grace. Whether that grace involves our self-righteousness, whether that grace involves our utter sinfulness. Um, I love here in the uh, self-study Bible here, another thing that came out as I was reading through, it it talks about this um, in the commentary on these passages. It says, Jesus, and I think I have this... You got it, Jonathan. Thank you. Jesus outrages his critics by calling Levi, the tax collector, to follow him, then eats with a house full of equally defiled people. This story invites the modern hearer to reflect, am I more like the manifest sinners of this story or like those who criticize Jesus' openness with the unworthy? Either way, you stand in need of forgiveness. Thankfully, Jesus brings healing and forgiveness to all. Even manifest sinners 
and smug hypocrites. I don't know who wrote that piece, but I love it. Because you've got like the manifest sinners and those smug hypocrites. He doesn't let anybody off the hook, whoever wrote it. But I love that idea of the modern hearer for us. It invites us in to evaluate. To say, Lord, am I the manifest sinner? That with joy I rejoice that you would call me. Or am I the smug hypocrite who's criticizing that you would choose that person? That's the joy of this story, is Jesus came for manifest sinners and smug hypocrites alike. That when he says, it's not the well who need a physician, but the sick, he's talking to everybody. What's really interesting is right before this, he's shown up to a house where a paralyzed man is lowered through the ceiling to him. That his friends can't get in because the house is so packed. So in what would be my worst nightmare of hosting Jesus, they break open the roof. (laughs) Right? Like you're just there, Jesus, come on in. And all of a sudden you're going, I'm calling the insurance company and the police. But here they've opened because they love their friend so dearly who is paralyzed. And they go, we're getting him to Jesus no matter what. And they lower Jesus, not Jesus, they lower the paralyzed man through the roof to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and goes, son, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees get upset. Why can he do this? He can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. And he looks at them and he goes, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk. And I love it because sometimes like Jesus just drops a mic in front of people. And this is one of those moments where he goes, what's easier for me to forgive him or to say to this guy you know is paralyzed, hey, get up and walk away. And you know what he does? He forgave his sins and then he goes, all right, take up your mat and walk. And the dude goes, sweet. And he's out the door. You see, that's the power of the physician of the servant king, that he looks and he says, I can forgive your sins and I can heal you and make you whole and let me tell you about the kingdom that is near. That Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And you know what? As Christian people, sometimes we lose ourselves into that manifest sin, that thing we just can't get over, that addiction we can't get rid of. And we have to remember, I have a Savior whose identity is in me, that I am a saint who struggles with sin, and that he has claimed me, and I am his. And sometimes as Christians, we are the smug hypocrite who rolls in, is judgmental, wants to tear others down, and we have to step back and go, Lord, I thought I was healed, but I'm in need of a physician. The good news for us is that Jesus came for both. That it's not a one or the other. It's not, oh, just the sinners, those manifest people that we see it in, or the smug hypocrites. No, he came and said, I came to heal the sick. And he has the power to do it. I'm going to start off with 
as we close in prayer here um, with a prayer that actually comes straight out from this study Bible. Again, another reason I love it. They actually have the prayer that follows that commentary. So let's pray together. Lord, preserve us from both our crass and hidden sins. Grant us a rich measure of your grace that others may see your mercy and be drawn to the healing and fellowship that only you can provide. Amen. Amen.